As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast presented as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. He is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, what's good, my brother? Not much. The Senior Bowl's wrapping up. The Pro Bowl's wrapping up. we got nothing really to look forward to now until the Combine, but it's been a busy, busy couple of weeks. Uh, we finally had a chance to settle down and take some closer looks at what's going on with the Broncos, and starting today, interesting press conference with Rich Gangarello, huh? Yeah. Uh, at least we can, you know, all rally together to root for the L.A. Rams to take down the Evil Empire and the New England mm-hmm. Patriots in the Super Bowl this coming Sunday, but... Other than that, it's hard to get excited for yet another appearance of Belichick and Brady in the big game. Uh, it's just, I, I'm not even surprised anymore. I, every year I just expect it now. When people say they're dead, I'm thinking, no, they're going to be in the Super Bowl. It's just, it's a given. It's a right. Yeah. I know. And I'm reading a book, I think I've mentioned it on the pod before, but a book called War Room that was written about the time they went 18-1 uh, and one or whatever it was when they went undefeated in the regular season 07 and then lost in the Super Bowl to Eli. It was not long after that I think this book was published. So it's kind of looking at the Patriot way of that first initial dynasty that had Brewski and, and of course, Tom Brady and some of those guys, Troy Brown, some of those dudes. But it's a really interesting read because it gives you an insight on their philosophies and how Belichick honed what has become such a dominant philosophy in the NFL and the different trees that sprung off from that, whether it was Scott Pioli going to Kansas City where he failed or – Thomas Dimitrov going to Atlanta, where he kind of succeeded, at least got the, the Falcons back to a semblance of winning. and Or, or that Josh McDaniels guy. Yeah, McDaniels also. Yeah, and all those guys. It's just interesting to see how they kind of honed their philosophy. If I were an up-and-coming scout or a, or a front office guy, I would make that part of my morning, you know, sitting on the john. That's a book I'm reading to just keep, stay on top of stuff, keep my philosophy sharp. Yeah, they also kind of kicked off their dynasty by cheating, by filming supposedly the Rams practices back in 01. So it's a, it's been a long journey for the Patriots. Yeah, but this show is definitely not about the Patriots. It's, it's about your Denver Broncos, and we got some interesting stuff to get to today. But before we do, 
Make sure you guys are following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. It's a great way to get engaged and involved with the show, with the mailbag. Also, take a look at becoming a Mile High Huddle 24-7 Sports VIP subscriber. You want to get on the VIP mailbags especially and have access to the MHH Insiders Forum on the website. And then also, you guys, whether you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, Megaphone, YouTube, wherever you're listening to, to the show, make sure you're subscribing. But it's key that you rate the show, leave a creative review, give us a five-star review. really helps us to grow and reach new listeners. And uh, it's, a, it's another way that you can support the show and help out, which we got a, we've been getting a lot of questions lately from listeners about what you can do to support the show, help the show. And that's one simple way that you can is by rating, subscribing, reviewing the show. And then, of course, sharing it out there. Get it out on Twitter. Get it out on your Facebook Get it out there on Reddit and other social forums and, and reach new listeners. So let's move on now and talk about today's primary topic, which is a really interesting conversation that took place on the side after Rich Scangarello, offensive coordinator, was introduced last Thursday in a sit-down with Matt Boyer of Broncos TV. He did about six, seven minutes talking about this and that, answering questions directly from Boyer. And there were a couple of answers and topics that he touched on that was really kind of new information or at least a deeper perspective on on things we, we didn't have the full picture on. One of the questions was he was asked by Broncos TV, Scangarello, how he kind of juxtaposes what, you know, what do you view as the primary uh, components to a quarterback being effective in today's NFL, which is evolving, right? It's it's constantly changing and evolving to the form that we see it in today. It's going to be even different next year. And here's here's what his answer was real quick. Take a listen to this. Well, I'd say that the two things that I value the most in a quarterback are toughness and their ability to process with their mind. And it, you have to evaluate that. Um, and there are certain ways you have to evaluate those things. And it's getting tougher and tougher to do because the college football game has gone away from our game. And I think that's my experiences of recruiting high school kids, the things you had to do to see if that one scholarship you had to offer was worthy of them, has really put me ahead in this league. And I, I, I'm excited to use those things. It's kind of how I found Nick, and um, I really think it gives you a leg up because you have to be evolving and you have to be creative with how you evaluate these guys because it's just it's just things have changed. All right, Zach. So he touches on a few things. Most crucially there, your thoughts on what he values most, the two traits he values most in a quarterback being toughness and their ability to process information with their mind. We'll get to some of the other things he had to say, but your thoughts on that. It sounds like on the surface, it sounds like someone like Case Keenum. It sounds like a, a heady type of quarterback. But um, I agree with what he's saying, that he cut his teeth scouting young quarterbacks. And we even talked in the last show that maybe Scangarello should have been at the Senior Bowl to check out some of the young quarterbacks there. But that's what he does best. And that's how he found Nick Mullins before coming to the NFL. He hasn't had much experience here, obviously. He was in the college ranks, not big programs, D2 programs, but he learned the recruiting trail. He learned how the business works. He learned how young quarterbacks operate going from college to the professional leagues. So that gives, it does give him an edge up and whether he wants and what he wants at a quarterback, 
whether that aligns with Elway's desire and what he wants to do remains to be seen. He will give his input, but it does sound like he doesn't really want a genetic freak more so than he wants someone to take care of the football and not turn it over. Right, because when we think back to the type of players or quarterbacks that Elway has been just smitten by over the years, you think especially of the two that he drafted high in the drafts that are Brock Osweiler and Paxton Lynch. Both of them are extremely tall, 6'7"-ish quarterbacks. And, you know, Osweiler had a solid arm. I wouldn't quite call it a strong arm. Paxton Lynch had a strong arm. He didn't have the greatest throwing motion, but he had a very strong arm and just phenomenal athletic tools. That's what impressed Elway as a guy who, a former quarterback himself, was an extremely, maybe the all-time toolsiest quarterback in NFL history, Mm -hmm. was John Elway. He's impressed by quarterbacks that kind of fall into that little prototype, right? So... And in the NFL, you kind of want both. You want a guy who's got tremendous tools. But on the flip side, you want a guy who also has the intangibles. So what you see here from Scangarello, what we hear him talking about there, to me is really encouraging because it's something that can balance out Elway's view of the quarterback. So Elway's going to go in and really identify quarterbacks who have the, the tools, right? The, uh, the strong arm, the athleticism, the size and all that, whereas Scangarello can come in, take a look at that same quarterback, and evaluate whether or not he has the intangibles that are crucial to today's game, such as the toughness he talked about, their ability to process information in the field and stuff, and, and scheme and X's and O's with their mind. Balance those things out together. You know, run the equation, whatever you wear, whatever you, uh, however you want to say it, and then spit out the answer. That's the quarterback that you draft. Now. As we relate that, we'll come back to some of the other things he had to say in this conversation, but as you relate that to, let's just say the quarterbacks from the Senior Bowl, to me, I don't see a perfect match in terms of what Elway likes and what is talking about here, because you have a guy like Daniel Jones, Zach, who fits all the things that Scangarello talked about, toughness, yeah. ability to process, all that, but he's not the most toolsy guy. He doesn't have the strongest arm. He's got... Some good athleticism, but from a pure arm talent perspective, he's not the quintessential Elway quarterback. And then you have Drew Locke. It's going to be really interesting because he's got all the tools. And I like the way he was at the podium, even though he kind of smacked of Brock Osweiler a little bit to me. But it's going to be really interesting, Zach, to see how Drew Locke does on the whiteboard for teams at the Combine next month. I was going to say about Scangarello, too. Don't forget the hoops the Broncos jumped through just to interview him. And I think no one getting the job, and, and for them to go to that length, they would have told Scangarello up front, listen, we're probably going to go quarterback young. We're probably going to look in the draft. What's your ideal type? Who are you you know, interested in? So I have no doubt he'll lend his voice, but ultimately the choice is Elway's. And in the Senior Bowl, my first thought was Daniel Jones. But the to go along with headiness and smarts, it's not turning the football over. And he had a pick in the Senior Bowl, at least in practices. So um, it, it kind of rules him out of that contest. Maybe someone like Stidham or Minshew, one of those mid-tier quarterbacks, would fit that. Uh, it seems like a, a high-floor, low-ceiling quarterback, a safe quarterback. I don't know. Drew Locke, to me, he, he's a little rough around the edges. He has that gunslinger mentality. But... I wouldn't really call him toolsy. I call him very physically talented, but I wouldn't really say he's heady. I wouldn't say he fits the description of what Scangarello wants. We won't know this. You know, there's so much right. that can happen between now and April, and things are going to change. But um, from the crop we know so far in the first round, I think the Broncos guy is Drew Locke. Yeah, and for example, like I'll be, I'll be shocked. Now we understand Scangarello didn't go to the Senior Bowl, had other things going on that took priority and precedent over that. 
But I'll be shocked if Scangarello is not at the Combine to participate in those interviews especially. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing that these kids stand up at the podium. And, you know, instead of well, some of the SEC kids are a little bit more polished in terms of talking to big rooms. But for a lot of these quarterbacks, they've never spoken in front of an audience as large as the media that's assembled at the podium at the Combine. So you're not really – I mean, it's good. It's a nice little experiment to see how they can operate in the realm of being the face of a franchise and dealing with media and so there's a little thought experiment to take place there, but really what's going to be crucial is you get back to what Scangarillo is talking about, mental toughness and the ability to process information with their mind. That's where the interviews in particular are going to be crucial and why Scangarillo absolutely has to be there. Now, if we get news that Scangarillo is not in those combine meetings, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to start wondering what in the Sam Hill is going on at Dove Valley, but I really don't think that's going to be an issue. I think he'll be there because John Elway going into the combine, he and Matt Russell are going to have their guys. You know, they're probably going to have a pretty solid bead. Maybe their board's not going to be completely set, Zach, in terms of which quarterback fits where and what round and all that stuff. Maybe not exactly down to a T like it will be on draft day, but they're going to have a pretty rough idea of the quarterbacks they like and a general kind of view of where they'd be willing to take them. And so they can give that information to Rich Scangarello going in. Scangarello can be in on those interviews ask him specific questions on the whiteboard, ask him specific questions, because you get back to that quote, he's talking about being in guys, high school kids' living room, basically, and having to talk to them and ask them the type of questions that are going to answer the question, I've got one scholarship to offer that's going to make or break my program for the next four years, is this the kid that's worthy of it? And it's that philosophy that led him, that same type of philosophy that led him to Nick Mullins, a true diamond in the rough for the San Francisco 49ers. So you take that approach, tie it into what the Elway and Russell are doing at the Combine with those whiteboard meetings and the interviews themselves with individual prospects like Drew Locke especially, and I'll be really curious. I mean, we're never going to know maybe exactly what comes out from those those interviews and the whiteboard, but for the most part, Drew Locke is viewed – as a sharp kid, a smart kid that really grew a lot, especially in his senior year from an X's and O's perspective. I'm 100% with you. Uh, the Broncos hired Scangarillo because of his work with young quarterbacks, because of his college background, uh, being a coach, and because he know, knows how to develop a young talent. Right. I would not have one quarterback in the building without Scangarillo also in the room interviewing with him. I would not bring in one guy. So I am with you there. Then He needs to be there from here on out, interviewing, asking questions, giving his opinion, analyzing, doing what he does best, and then giving that input back to Elway, back to Russell, and letting the group make a decision. So we won't know that what that decision is, but I, I'm with you. I have a big feeling that Scangarello will have a bigger voice than right. most realize. In terms of Locke, though, he just gets it. He's one of those guys, I know it's cliche, but I mean, he's su- super relaxed with the media. He had a great week at the Senior Bowl, more or less. Um, he just gets it. He has that franchise quarterback swagger um, on paper, and in short, he's a franchise quarterback, but we won't know until testing comes with the combine, how he performs under pressure, and whether or not the Broncos even go in that route. We're all assuming the Broncos are going to go young quarterback. Maybe they make a trade. Maybe they stick with Keenum. Maybe they go a mid-tier QB. We don't know yet, but um, yeah, in terms of the Senior Bowl, in, in a vacuum, Drew Locke by far is our number one prospect, and he will be their guy among the group at number 10. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, we, we could safely assume with our, you know, our educated knowledge of the Broncos and the situation that Rich Gangarello was going to be involved at some level on the scouting process, of, especially of the quarterback class this year. Having him not be at the Senior Bowl called that into question a little bit, but then Vic Fangio said on one of these little side interviews after 
the uh, introductory pressers on Thursday, he was asked directly about whether or not Scangarello is going to have uh, a say on the scouting process. And he said, well, yeah, when the team gets around to it, I'm sure that John's going to seek Rich's opinion and he's going to be involved in that. Like it was nothing. Like, why are you even asking me that? Hello type deal. So, you know, for those of us who are agonizing, uh, you know, over every little talking point and nugget that comes out at Dove Valley, it it was at least good to hear it from the head coach that, well, yeah, he's going to be involved. So let's move on. A couple of things that we're going to touch on the quarterbacks here in the second half of the, the pod today, which, by the way, this is the 200th podcast for Huddle Up. This is the 200th episode of the Huddle Up podcast. So uh, big thanks, big ups to all the listeners who've been along for the ride uh, for these 200 episodes. And I don't know, I think, Zach, you and I, we've done probably about 45, 50, somewhere in there together. So it's been great, brother. It's been amazing. We've steadily grown. We've gotten amazing, amazing feedback and support from Broncos country. We could not thank you guys enough. Without you guys, it wouldn't be possible. And we are continuing going on strong, Chad. We're going to continue churning out those podcasts, churning out that content. We cannot be more excited. Yep. And the podcast, you know, it might have existed a couple of years before Zach joined forces with me. But the last, not even a year, I mean, the show's listener base and exposure and reach, I mean, we've probably at, at bottom, Zach, quadrupled our reach or since, since we joined forces like last April-ish. So, yeah, and then we're moving here to this daily format. We, we joined uh, the Overtime Media Network to even get our, our reach even farther. So we're stoked at uh, the, the direction the podcast is trending. So, again, thanks to everybody. It's been great. Episode 200. Here's to another 200 more. So let's touch on one last thing he that Scangarello talked about with Broncos TV that I thought was interesting that speaks a little bit more also to his just overall philosophies. He was asked about, and we've heard this as a trope, as a talking point from Vic Fangio, from Elway, from the moment Fangio was hired and how it's informed each and every hire under Fangio since, the prioritization of being a teacher, how that comes first. Are they a good teacher? And then are they a good tactician? You know, and then all the other sub priorities that come into play when you're hiring coaches. Here's what Scangarello said. And there's a reason I want to play this clip on being a a good teacher and why it's important. Yeah, there's some guys that can do it on the field and other guys can show people how to do it on the field. I think that um, if I wasn't coaching football, I'd probably be teaching. It's just kind of was... Um, something that I, I was, I would say I was kind of born to do. I think that I have the ability to help people, you know, be better at their skill set. And, um, and I think that every guy, every person's different. You teach and coach and you have to adapt to their ability to learn. Um, and if you can do that, you can help them be better. They appreciate it. They'll play for you. And if you can get 11 guys on the field doing that, you got a chance. So what I thought was interesting and the reason I wanted to play that clip is he's talking about, similarly to Fangio, that if you weren't a coach, what would you be doing? Oh, I'd probably be a teacher. That's not really what I, the reason I wanted to talk about this. It's that he talks about his approach to and his strength as a coach to being able to reach each individual pupil or player he's coaching and cater to their ability to learn and then also teaching them how to be better within the realm of what their individual skill sets are. And not every coach can do that. And I think if you go back just as a, as a case study last year, Zach, uh, Pro Football Focus produced another tweet on Sunday that talked about Case Keenum being a top five quarterback in the play action for the third straight year. Okay, great. So why wasn't 
Bill Musgrave utilizing and harnessing that great gift of his and within his skill set individually, Case Keenum, and using that not only to Keenum's advantage, but also to the offense's advantage more often. We didn't see that come out in the wash. So what's encouraging to me hearing a quote like this from Scangarello is that the times they are changing. You're going to see a much more, I mean, we heard it from the time Vance Joseph was hired. We heard about how it's all about fitting um, scheme to players uh, not the other way around, not trying to pigeonhole players into scheme, yada, yada, catering to what players do best, blah, blah, blah. But it never came out in the wash. And I think there's really strong reason to believe this time around, Zach, that's going to change. Yeah, to me, it was a kind of a cliche answer, but it was very refreshing because one thing I've pointed out on past podcasts, on the sidelines last year, Bill Musgrave, Mike Sullivan, even Vance Joseph, they never taught. There was no instruction going on. There was no player-teacher moment, and, and there was never development you know, by association with that. And one thing Broncos players, including Aqib Tlaib or former Broncos players, raved about Wade Phillips was his relatability to them. He can relate to any player regardless of background, um, position, anything. And that's one thing that Fangio does well. That's one thing that Scangarello does well. They're people, people, I guess you could say. And that's so important in a people business like the NFL. They brought Scangarello in because he can teach. It's one thing Musgrave, like you pointed out, it comes down to coaching. I mean, so often last year we were killing him for the fact of why no bootleg? Why no moving pocket? Why no play action? He was not maximizing the talent on this roster. And the same thing happened on defense with Vance Joseph. The Broncos and Elway went to the complete polar opposite and got teachers, Vic Fangio, Ed Donatel, Scangarello. This is what they needed. It is the step in the right direction. And even though, you know, he can't really say... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a word. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, much, even though it was layered in a little cliche by Scangarello, to me, it was very, very refreshing to hear. See, and here's where I'll disagree with you on the cliche aspect, because when he said, I think that I have the ability to help people be better at their skill set, that got me excited because it's one thing to say, okay, you're an NFL quarterback. Here's our system. Here's why you need to be better, and here's what you need to do in order to execute the system, no matter what the system might be. It's one thing to do that. It's another thing to say, okay, we have our system. Here's our individual quarterback that has his individual skill set. What I'm going to focus on as your coach is I'm going to focus on your respective strengths and weaknesses as a player within your own skill set, and I'm going to help you maximize those. And by doing that, I'm going to be able to fit you into the broader scope of what you should be able to execute as a quarterback or as a wide receiver or as a tight end or whatever it might be. So you're breaking it down from the macro to the micro, which I think, you know, you can get lost in the minutiae. You can get down into an analysis paralysis. But one of the things that these coaches are particularly savvy at, and one of the reasons why they've each been selected under Fangio, 
is their ability to not only teach individually and get the most out of players, but also to translate that as tacticians on the field on game day. Now, that's the one thing, Zach, where it comes into question with Scangarello. We don't know how savvy he's going to be as a play caller. He's got a lot of experience doing it in college. No experience doing it in the NFL. Maybe cliche was the wrong word. Maybe redundancy should have been the right word because, you know, he says he he would be a teacher, but that's what coaches are. They're teachers. They're instructors. So I feel like that's what he should be doing, and that's what he should be teaching, and and that's what he should be wanting is getting the most out of his players. So I'm sure we've heard the same thing from Mike McCoy and Musgrave and Vance Joseph. I want to actually see it come out in the wash, to use your expression, Chad. I want to see the results be put out there and not just hear about it anymore. But for a first press conference, from what he can say, given everything he's known about the Broncos so far, uh, it's me like i said it's encouraging and refreshing yep well here in just a second we're going to talk about what came out of the senior bowl as it relates to the quarterbacks in 2019 we'll be right back this is the overtime podcast network all right so let's talk about what came out of the senior bowl last week really you had a few quarterbacks just bite the dust in terms of their draft stock you saw other guys begin to rise a little bit and I thought it'd be kind of cool to go through this. Eric Trickle on Sunday published a uh, an article on the website that he titled Ranking the Senior Bowl Quarterbacks Based on Their NFL Type. And in it, he goes through and he, he creates five tiers of quarterbacks. And I'm going to list them for you real quick here, Zach, and for our listeners. And then we'll fit these quarterbacks the way he had them. And we'll kind of react to it. Tier number five, these are the quarterbacks that you just don't touch. And he what he means by that is they're not worth a draft pick. They probably aren't even worth a college free agent flyer, undrafted rookie flyer. Here's the okay, that's tier number five. Tier number four, these are project quarterbacks. In other words, they have a skill set, they have tools, they have whatever that you like that's in the rough right now that can be developed by an NFL team, thus making them worthy of being drafted at some point, right? Number three, tier three, the spot starter backup. These are your Trevor Simeons of the world that are worth a pick later in the draft to come in and bolster the depth of your quarterback room. Not a guy you're going to hang the destiny of your franchise on, but a guy that's damn handy to have around in a pinch. Okay, Case Keenum. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Tier two, the quarterback you can win with if, and by this he means you know he's a quarterback that's got some tools. He's there's a lot of uh, uh, boxes that he checks, but you need certain things to be in place in order to maximize him in order for him to win he's not a franchise guy that you can necessarily you know put on his the team on his shoulder so to speak he needs certain components whether it's specific skill positions whether it's a specific type of scheme etc and then tier number one is the quarterback that can basically go out and win you games himself he's a franchise caliber player that has the potential at some point in his career <clears throat> to be a guy who can put a team on his shoulders and will you to victory and be the the reason why your team won that particular week and so forth. So let me go through these. We'll get to Tier 1 last. Here's, here's who he had under Tier 5 for Eric Trickle. These are the quarterbacks. Zach, you don't touch at all. And the first one might be a little bit shocking. Will Greer of West Virginia. Mm. Then he had Trace McSorley, the Penn State kid, and then Gardner Minshew, the one-year wonder from Washington State that came up out of uh, community college. So those are the three quarterbacks he had. Uh, he goes through in the piece and, and basically explains why. But let's talk about Will Greer specifically. Zach, could he have had a worse senior bowl week in terms <laughs> of his draft stock? 
I mean, I think Daniel Jones had a worse week, but yeah, Greer was pretty bad. And let me preface this conversation by saying that I defer to Trickle um, for that deep diving draft analysis. I think I speak for you, Chad, also when I say I'm still kind of in season mode. I haven't really turned into full draft mode just yep. yet uh, with the coaching change and all that. So mm-hmm. I defer to Trickle. I respect his opinion. Greer, though, as bad as a week as he had, I feel like based on his physical tools and what he put on tape, the good things he put on tape, he will have a draft grade. He will be you know, drafted. It, you right. know, if Chad Kelly can be Mr. Irrelevant. I think Greer will be drafted. So I wouldn't put him in tier five, but I would agree, though, that he had a terrible week and he hurt his stock a lot more than he helped it. Yeah. And see, and that's the thing is it's okay. You can disagree with someone professionally and say, look, you know, I what you have to say makes a lot of sense. There's things I agree with. There's some things you say and, and you explain in your analysis that I don't quite agree with. And on this topic, and by the way, to be perfectly frank with our listeners, the way that I learn about the draft class each and every year, it's not by studying hours and hours of tape like these guys do. It's by copy editing and publishing their articles for the website. <laughs> Literally. That's how I learn about these guys. And, and then I'll, you know, for example, Eric does a series, Finding Broncos, where he individually scouts players uh, and whether or not they fit the Broncos. And if so, where can the Broncos get them in the draft? It's a phenomenal series that he's done for five years now. And I'll go through and sometimes I'll read one of it. I'll copy edit one of his articles, publish it on the website, share it out on social and it'll intrigue me. And I'll go, Hmm, I'm gonna go check him out. And then I'll find myself on YouTube watching some film. So it's through that process is how I actually learn about the, the draft class each and every year. And so I'm grateful to the draft guys, Eric, Nick, Carl, all those guys, Lance, uh, and What's Alex your- as well, that that's really their forte. But here's where I'll agree with you. I think Eric is definitely, was obviously influenced by how bad Greer performed that that week and especially how he performed in the game itself. And I'll agree with you that as bad as he was and as badly as he hurt his draft stock, I think there's enough there that he might be – he's worth something at some point in the draft. I'm not saying – I mean, going into this past week, Greer was viewed as kind of a fringe top 100 guy. And this – He's definitely not that to me anymore. Like, that's probably about where I would put him, too, in in my mind's eye as a surface draft guy that doesn't really get into it until draft season. Will Greer, probably a late day two guy to me. Well, maybe now coming out of this poor senior bowl, he's more of a late round flyer type of quarterback who will probably end up getting drafted higher because of the need of the position and how prolific he was in college. Right. I mean, the scarcity of quarterbacks and the need for one in the NFL and his physical tools, which are evident. I mean, I just see fifth round pick all over Will Greer right now. Right. Uh, the other two guys, um, I don't really want to talk much about Minshew, but Trace McSorley I want to talk about because, you know, he was just as bad. Uh, Trickle says in his piece here that he was just as bad as Greer. But one of the things that's interesting about McSorley is, you know, he's one of those backyard football type of quarterbacks that, you know, he's probably best when the play breaks down type thing, like even like a Tim Tebow. But he's not the polished guy. He's not the stand in the pocket, go through your progressions, make an accurate throw with the proper amount of velocity. He's not that guy. But there are some traits that he has on the intangible scale that to me are interesting. Like he's a guy that you might not draft, or maybe he's a, oh, I got a seventh round pick that I don't really, there's no one I love. Okay, I'll take a flyer on Trace McSorley. Because he's such a passionate leader, he's a guy that guys just players around him just get so excited to to follow and lead. He's a great locker room culture guy. So even though he had a bad Senior Bowl, 
you know, he's got the combine coming up. Who knows how he can – and his pro days, how he can affect his draft stock. But he's a guy that is interesting to me still. Notwithstanding all the stuff that took place, he's a guy that still to me is interesting as a late-round slash undrafted. You take a flyer on and bring him in to develop and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, there's a few of those guys. And Brett Rippey, and for one, the Broncos now with him at the Shrine game, they like him. There's a lot of those those fringe undrafted guys, but I don't care about any of them. I want a franchise guy. I don't right. care about locker room. I don't care about being the nice guy, the Trevor Simeon types, the Brock Osweiler, the Howdy Doody. I want kind of an a-hole. You know, I want that, mm-hmm. that elite franchise guy who rubs some people the wrong way, who comes in and establishes himself and leads the team, whether his teammates like it or not. The Baker Mayfields, that's the typical franchise quarterback I want for the Broncos. Is he in this draft? I don't know. But to me, it's definitely not Trace McSorley. I don't like any of these, you know, these fringe guys. I want that bona fide franchise guy. I agree. The Broncos need to find that guy. And I think even though it's not a strong quarterback class, they have to find him this year because they don't have time to wait till 2020. But let's let's move on to tier four. So his project quarterbacks, here's who he's got. Eric Trickle. He's got Tyree Jackson, the big tall kid from Buffalo. And then Jarrett Stidham from from Auburn. I don't. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Stidham. Yeah. It's yeah. not Stidham. Anyway, he talks about for Tyree Jackson. You know, he's huge in terms of his size, and he's huge in terms of his arm strength. And he was one of the guys that actually looked really good in the game itself. Didn't have a great week of practice. Wasn't really impressing anybody except for his the velocity with which he delivered the ball. But when he took the field in the game, he was able to lift. Uh, his team and they were able to produce some points so he's an interesting guy that I can understand exactly what trickle means by a project quarterback that let's say you're the Broncos and you make every effort early to get uh, Drew Locke or uh, uh, Haskins or whatever and you just fall short you can't get there or they get taken right before you're about to or whatever Tyree Jackson's a guy that I wouldn't be upset if the Broncos took him later in the draft mid-round to late round to develop him under Scangarello, not as a starter or with the expectation to come in right away or to be some kind of franchise guy, but as a developmental guy with upside. Yeah, to me, I, you know, I didn't pay attention to every single snap you know, up close at the Senior Bowl, but there were two quarterbacks who stood out to me, and that was Locke and that was Stidham. And Stidham's interesting to me. You can develop him and mold him into that that really solid backup type. I don't think he has a, a, a future starting caliber skill set in the NFL, but you can find that that C.J. Beathard type. Those are such um, mm-hmm. underrated guys to have. The Matt Moores, the, the reliable backups. The Broncos know that all too well. So if that's one guy later in the draft, maybe they even take Locke and they want to double up later in the draft. Stidham, to me, um, stood out in the senior bowl. That's one guy that, to me, elevated his stock when so many other quarterbacks uh, kind of plummeted. Yeah, I agree, by the way. And the one thing that Trickle said that he needs to work on and what's hurting his stock right now is he showed really poor pocket awareness. And if you go back and watch, there's some highlights on YouTube you can watch of the senior bowl, the actual game itself. You can see that there's times where he's just like, you know, Helen Keller in the pocket just doesn't know what's happening around him, holding on to the ball too long. So if he can improve that, he is a very toolsy quarterback that had a lot of experience playing in the SEC that has some upside. So let's move on here to Tier 3, which he quantifies as the spot starter backup quarterback. He's got one guy only in this in this particular tier, and that's Ryan Finley of NC State, who, you know, frankly to me, I wouldn't even – he's a guy – that doesn't move the needle for me whatsoever right. as it relates to the Broncos' needs. Yeah, he's a, a very, very low ceiling quarterback to me. I, I haven't been impressed with what I've seen on film from him, so um, I don't think the Broncos should go anywhere near uh, Finley. Tier number two, he's only got one guy there as well, 
and that is the quarterback you can win with if Daniel Jones of Duke. Now, depending on who you talk to, he had a solid senior bowl to a terrible senior bowl that hurt his stock. Most of the guys I've talked to on the Mile High Huddle staff, it was a mixed review. It was some good, some bad, about what you expected to see from Daniel Jones. But really what Trickle's saying in this article is that he has enough, you know, where he lacks in arm talent, he makes up for with what he's got going on between the years, and he has just enough athleticism to be enough of a weapon, so to speak, in that realm as a quarterback. So, you know, as it relates to the Broncos, Zach, the problem I have here is value. Daniel Jones is not a quarterback to me. I would want the Broncos to spend a first-round pick on, and I think that he's a quarterback that's still probably going to get drafted in the first round. Now, if the Broncos, you know, they don't get their guy in round one, whatever, similar to the Stidham thing, and he's there even maybe in round two, Uh, You know, now I can have a conversation with you as it relates to Daniel Jones. If he's there in round three, I'm telling you, take him right now. Take him. If he's on the board when you're picking in round three and you missed your guy early, take Daniel Jones. At number 10 in the first round, it's going to be a no for me, dog. I I can't do it. My eye test confirmed what I thought about Daniel Jones in the Senior Bowl practices in the game. He just, he walked into pressure. That smarts you were talking about was not on display in the game yesterday. And he reminds me of the antithesis of Paxton Lynch, who's all, he's all brains and no talent or no physical upside. So I want no part of him in the first round. I don't think he's going to be an NFL starting caliber quarterback, even though he has that David Cutcliffe connection. That's a tongue twister. Um, I don't want any part of him. Um, If they go in the first round, I pray, I really do, that Elway does not fall in love with Daniel Jones. And I don't think he will. I really don't because the the arm talent's not there, which no matter what Scangarello might say to persuade Elway in terms of a scouting report and, you know, placing the board – I don't think Elway's going to go completely in on a quarterback in the first round based on intangibles. There has to be some tangibles there. Mm-hmm. And for Daniel Jones, you know, there's a lot to like, but the limitations are to render him a, a day two uh, prospect in my book. So let's move on here to tier one. And this is only one quarterback from the Senior Bowl that falls under this, the QB that can win you games himself, Drew Locke. Now, I'm going to read to you what Trickle had to say, Zach, and then I'll serve this over to you. He said, quote, There is only one quarterback left, and he falls into place right here. Locke has his issues with footwork and throwing off a base. In the Senior Bowl, he made some great throws, talking about the game itself, including a perfectly placed deep post that would have been a touchdown if Terry McLaurin hadn't have dropped it. Locke showed his understanding of defenses and that he can change his throwing motion if and when needed. Drew Locke was the top talent among these quarterbacks, and it showed come game time. Uh, spot on to me. From what I saw, that's spot on. I mean, he made some even Patrick Mahomes-esque throws locked right. in with the sidearm. I mean, he's a gunslinger. Just He needs a little seasoning, a little technique. He's not a guy I would draft and start from day one, but he's a guy I would draft and have Case Keenum start for half the season. If it goes bad, there's an injury or whatever, I put Locke in, let him swim. Um, yeah, if there's a QB in this draft, I am warming up to the Broncos at number 10, taking Locke. Trading up for him and selling the farm and mortgaging the future, I don't know about just yet. But in the Senior Bowl, by far, the biggest headliner who caught Elway's eye uh, was Drew Locke. And he he showed well. He needs some seasoning. He needs some coaching. And I think that's why Scangarello was brought in for that reason and why you and I both agree he should have been there seeing Drew Locke in person. Yeah. Um, but I just think that it, it just meets desire and need and value. And I think at number 10, he'd be a good pick. 
he does have a pretty badass name to be a quarterback as well. He does, yeah. Right? I mean, Drew Locke, man, like locked on his target, locking down the freaking competition. Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Booyah. Which is a great movie, by the way. It is. Very under movie. Yeah, that was before uh, what's-his-name broke out as uh, the transporter. I forget. Jason Statham. Yeah, that's right. Um, But, yeah, that's a a good one. Um, So, there you have it. I mean, I think that uh, we could ourselves go into an analysis paralysis talking about these quarterbacks from the Senior Bowl. We'll kind of leave that to the boys over on Building the Broncos. And, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll work to get Trickle on our show for a few segments moving forward where we can pick his brain a little bit on not just the quarterback class, but some of the other positions of priority for the Denver Broncos heading into 2019. But, Zach, I think that's got to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. As always, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. Those are three accounts. you got to stay uh, or make sure you're following to stay up to date with everything that's going on. Stay engaged with the podcast. Make sure you're subscribing, y'all. Tomorrow on Wednesday, look for an, uh, Building the Broncos episode. Zach and I will be back with another podcast for you on Thursday. So stay tuned for that. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.